Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. This is the Redbird Reboot. Thank you guys so much, at least, for joining with us today. Uh, we've got uh, at Pancake Soul, Marcos Labrada is here with me, and I'm Blake Murphy7. We get to talk today about a Cardinals 0-2 team and what we feel like probably could have been a Cardinals 2-0 team. Unfortunately, another second-half, fourth-quarter defensive collapse, uh, offensive output goes from looking pretty decent to unfortunately just petering out over the last part of the game marcos what what's kind of your instant reaction to just the way that this game went as we saw a 21 point lead cardinals up 28 to 7 turn into a 31 28 giants victory we just had we we had such high hopes that this was going to be the first win of the season and uh it was a dominant first half we were like oh wow we are lightning we're, we're like uh, light years ahead of what we were last last week on offense at least and defense it just seemed like hey we're just gonna continue on with the defense and then yeah it's just uh after that like that second half collapse just not not I, I don't even know what to say about that as far as like the adjustments were made on by the off by the giants offense and the defense was clamping down yeah, I think there's a lot of adjustments we can talk about, at least. A lot of those adjustments came from the Giants uh, on their side. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I had, at least early on in the game, was how the Cardinals were able to come out early, and they really did a great job, at least, of driving down the field against this Giants defense. You had them drive down, at least, and miss the field goal, were able to get that touchdown on that angry Josh Dobbs run um they then came and had another touchdown at least that they're able to have with i believe this was the uh actually no the second touch second touchdown of the josh Dobbs run the first one they were able to have the um james connor up the middle at least from the four you had the couple of penalties at least that popped up with that long third down to michael wilson for 21 yards cardinals offense was really effective they were able to kind of get the ball run they were able to kind of chunk yards down the field they were able to run a lot of plays and then they forced the giants to kind of punt it every single time to them at least i believe there was a total of oh gosh it was it was a total of 11 plays that the giants ran i think on like their first three drives like it was ridiculous what arizona defense was doing they were playing a lot i think of quarters coverage early on where they were effectively putting everyone into zone, putting kind of four guys dropping in, which did a great job of once they were strong up front, being able to stop the run. When on those pass plays, they were being aggressive, knocking the ball down. And then it really was just a huge change story of two halves where the Giants adjusted. The Cardinals just were not able to counterpunch. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the offense, at least, of what they showed? Because I think a lot of Cardinals fans went into this game feeling down on Josh Dobbs. And then by the end of that first half, there was almost like a new feeling that we had about Josh Dobbs as the starter as we saw him take that leap from week one that he said they were going to take. Well, I saw a lot of confidence and that's what that gave me like a lot of uh, it was a confidence in knowing that he was able to hit a step and know what where to hit like uh, what targets to hit. Um, he seems to have his favorite target in Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. So we know that he uh, in a way prefers to throw to those uh, over the middle like runs either whether they're the dig routes or the slants to like the they're his safety blanket so we know what his preferred areas are but he just had the confidence of like whenever he would be under center and they'd suck the linebackers in he knew that he could throw it right behind the linebackers 
to a wide open like Zacherts or to like a that one catch by Trey McBride. So it, it was you just saw like a like somebody that knew once he turned his back to the defense when he turned back around, he knew where he was gonna throw that ball. The second half, it just that that was all gone. It was almost as if he kind of didn't want to be the reason why we lost the game by turning the ball over. Maybe that was the reason why the play calls kind of changed. And I know some part of it could be that hey, we're just trying to burn off clocks be, clock because you know it's a, it's a uh, it's a situation where you try to make the clock be an extra defender for the Giants, and it didn't work out at the end. First half offensively, we saw the Cardinals, I think, have a really good job of being in a balanced offense. We got to see how the play action fakes. You had guys open in Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. You also were able to at least see a bit of diversity in some of the play calling where uh, if it was third and long, Josh Dobbs was actually throwing like strong, accurate passes. Um, they didn't have that many deep shots that they took and they didn't need to. You also were able to see sometimes where they were trying to get pressure on Dobbs. They were able to kind of run the ball with James Conner. And a couple of times they caught their safeties looking down, you know, trying to come down into the box. Conner was able to um, kind of pick off some big gains. The second half, it was very different as far as they adjusted. I think if I had to say the one thing that the Giants did defensively that really changed stuff was they dared Josh Dobbs to throw the ball. They put the Cardinals in a position where they said, hey, we're going to let you have this deep look that's going to be here. We're just going to make sure that you're not able to run. You're not going to be able to play outside the pocket. We're not going to lose contain on you. And to like his credit, Josh Dobbs, at least he avoided throwing one of those interceptions overall. He probably had one that was called back, I believe, just because of um, there was like an illegal contact play, I think. Uh, but ultimately, it was almost like they said, hey, Josh Dobbs, you go out and win the game on your offense. And then they looked at Daniel Jones and said, Daniel, use those legs. We'll be able to get stuff opened up for you on the defensive side of the ball for the Cardinals. They just did not have an answer. We'll, at the end of the show, we'll go over a little bit of film that shows some of that adjustment. But it really felt to me like it was almost like watching a Kyler Murray game of terms of in the first half, Kyler isn't using his legs as much. Offense may be struggling. And in the second half, they make an adjustment. And then you're able to see Daniel Jones. Like he picked up a third down and third and 12, just being able to scramble out of the pocket while guys were covered. You also had some poor penalties, I think, on the offensive side for Arizona, where you were able to at least see that last drive. They're trying to run the ball, be able to go and have it where you can see, like, just get down and get a field goal is all that you needed to do. Cardinals end up only going three and out, three and out, and then, of course, the end of the game, their Hail Mary effort fails. Um, I think that the play of the game ultimately, in a lot of ways, came down to when it's first and 10 on the New York Giants 43. You just got to get about 10 more yards and get a field goal. James Conner loses a yard, incomplete pass to Hollywood Brown, and it's third and 11. They do that other deep pass to Hollywood Brown, and you end up punting it back to the Giants on fourth and 11. Giants immediately go on a long touchdown drive, uh, picking up 15 yards, 25 yards, you really ended up seeing at least the Giants at the end of the game. They just had, I think, better players than Arizona. They were able to complete Darius Slayton. Darren Waller was able to go. They were able to protect Daniel Jones. Cardinals were trying to figure out how they could be able to defend this passing game. And I just think that that was part of where it came down to is that at the end of the day, one person needed to make a play. And I don't think that they had that guy on the field, unfortunately, on Sunday who was able to make that play for the Arizona Cardinals. 
Yeah, I completely agree. But I mean, it's just a sad situation where um, we, we, we had it in the first half. Why didn't we complete it in the second half? That was our issue. We had the players to be able to do it because we showed it on the field, especially against this Giants team that before they went into week one, I don't think people were thinking they were that bad. And then they went into week one, couldn't even score one point, couldn't even put up a field goal against the Cowboys. And we're going up against them, like feeling more confident. People, the national media was still, you know, mentioning that, hey, uh, this is still going to be a landslide victory by the Giants. I don't know why the Cardinals think they have a disconfidence and whatnot. Um, but it's because we follow the team. It's because we're able to see what we see with them. Maybe you guys don't know the players that we have, but we know what we have within our, ourselves as well. And we we showed it. So it, it, it's a situation where, like, like they, they may have more star players on their side of the, of the team, but we, we do have the foundation. That's how you mentioned so many times before. We need a foundation. Well, this is a good foundation to build up from. Yeah, I think this is something with Cardinals fans. Everyone was talking about on social media. They said, hey, I know we're all making fun of Jonathan Gannon, but like he's got the Cardinals playing hard. J.J. Watt talked about like the job that he was doing. This is a team that people you know, are saying before the season would go 0-17, and then last week they're overperforming some, they lose. And then to be able to come out after a loss last week, going into a Giants game, you're seeing them come out after an 0-40 game. And a lot of the thought was, hey, like, this is going to be a place where the Giants are just going to come out, throw the ball at will on Arizona and that group of players and kind of get that, that get right game for the Giants. Instead, it seemed like it was going to be more of a, hey, Cardinals are just going to be whooping that is what it turned into for the first two quarters of play. Um, Saquon just was bottled up for the most part. You were able to get pressure on Daniel Jones. And at the end of the play, you at least had while they're throwing more ball gets batted in the air. You pick that off. It just seemed like everything was coming up right for the Cardinals. So, at some point, you want to credit and say, hey, the Giants went back, they adjusted, they regrouped, and they didn't make that game-breaking mistake in play. They didn't really have like a Daniel Jones sack fumble from holding the ball on or trying to scramble and then fum uh, you know, falling on the ground, at least or getting sacked. I think a lot of what you can say as far as narrative, in some cases you credit the Giants, but another thing I think at least also is you can at least see how the first half, the Cardinals outcoached the New York Giants. If they came out at least in looks that had Daniel Jones holding on to the ball, didn't know where to go with it. You were seeing a lot more of those blitz bail type of concepts, I think, that we're seeing guys standing up on the line of scrimmage and then dropping back right into some of those spots he was looking to throw. Um, the person I think had a really good job of pointing some of this out as far as the difference between the first and second half was Brett Coleman did a tweet that came out just about an hour ago. And it talked about how when you're looking at different types of coverages, um, the first half, the Cardinals played a lot of quarters coverage, which basically is going to be you've got, that's not cover three, you're going to have kind of four guys with this, your corner is going to play in zone, you've got then two deep safeties, you're able to take away the deep pass. And what that also did was in quarters, you're kind of keeping that underneath coverage, so they tried to run a mesh concept, basically like whenever you're running a concept of um, mesh, the idea is you're trying to see if you can put these linebackers into conflict, wasn't able to be pulled off. Cardinals did a really good job of being able to make sure that those passing lanes weren't there. And by having some of that quarters coverage, when they tried to run the ball up the middle of Saquon, Cardinals were able to stop it. The second half, what changed was, and this is almost an air raid concept we saw Cliff Kingsbury use. I should say not getting Cliff Kingsbury. Um, at times he would with Patrick Mahomes, but we also saw it with Lincoln Riley. When teams would say, hey, you've got a running quarterback on a run game. We're wanting to make sure we can kind of have some of that coverage set. They shifted... Uh, what they did as far as with the coverage, and we'll do this more in our video film, 
into essentially saying, hey, if you're going to play quarters coverage, we're going to make sure that your safety play, we're going to design where we got a couple of deep routes. Your safety is going to have to pick one side or the other, and then we can throw a deep ball. First play right out of the half. They dial up a deep play to the 4-3 speedster Jalen Hyatt on Marco Wilson. You can see at least at the safety, uh, he's in the middle of the field. He's late getting over. And that was just one of those plays where they were able to take advantage of Arizona playing a lot of the zone because he turned that zone coverage into a man coverage. You can see Andre Shasher. We'll take a look at this play later. But wow, that was a great adjustment from Brian Dable. And the Cardinals, unfortunately, once he kind of had that deep pass, it was almost like that broke the dam open. Like all of a sudden you're able to see more of these types of different plays. They had to respect the deep pass. They're all of a sudden started being able to hit some of those slants over the middle. And really at the end of the day, you just weren't able to get a stop. And Daniel Jones used his legs and the Cardinals just were not able to adjust. Now, I think we can talk about the next part now, which is the tanking allegations. There's a lot of people who are like, hey, the Cardinals played strong in the first half. And the joke was almost like, wow, I guess like the owner must have called them in the second half and said, you guys suck. Or, you know, maybe it's like a terrible halftime speech. Maybe some people said it was like, oh, they're just going to be tanking. Now, look, they get a big lead and then, oh, they blow it. They have to lose. Did you feel like it was almost like intentional in that aspect? Or is this a spot where like we're really overthinking and this is more of a Cardinals team that blew it and a Giants team that went out and took it for themselves? Because that's what I really saw the second half of yesterday. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be as, as simple as like, hey, they're just uh, playing too good. And the owner's like, hey, uh, can you guys like dial it back or whatnot? It, it it does look like it could be scripted exactly that way because the uh, the feel, the culture, the play calling and everything looked more conservative. But that's more of like the I think more of the, what they did was they they knew what they had with Josh Dobbs. So they were like, yeah, you, you know, let's just play it safe from here. Let's not force a mistake. If it was another quarterback in there, probably like uh, Kyler Murray or maybe even Clayton Toon, they probably would try their shots down the field or at least try to get something big over the middle. But when it came to Josh Dobbs, I don't think um, they knew what they had. So they knew where the limitations were, and they didn't want to put this game on his shoulders to say, hey, okay, you're, you now you got to put your uh, neck on their throat more so than, hey, we got a sizable lead. Let's just use the clock to our advantage. Well, one of the things they didn't account for is that they have Dexter Lawrence as their defensive lineman who was wrecking the Cardinals in the second half. He was, his name was getting called quite a bit and I wouldn't be surprised if him and uh, you know, some of the defensive other defensive linemen were kind of like shutting down what was going on and what was being successful in the first half with what, which was, you know, runs to like, uh, you know, uh, James Connor, even it, 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 it just didn't really matter after that. Once they took that away, it was like, okay, we're going to have you beat our, like, uh, corners and our uh, safeties and whatnot. And it, that's where we started seeing more of, like, the yak, like, underneath type of stuff. And it just – it didn't translate. Um, Another thing is uh, maybe the circumstance can be justified by looking at it from the perspective of, like, yeah, they were playing, playing really well. What happened? adjustments happen you have to give it to like brian dable just like that tweet said right there they knew that they were going up against uh quarters 70 percent of the time on first on first down or uh i'm not sure if it said first down or the first half when he made that play call like marco wilson's supposed to bail to his deep a quarter and the safety came down so yep 
maybe part of the reason why Marco Wilson didn't keep up with that wide receiver was because if it was going to be a post over the middle, that would, yeah. yeah, exactly. He 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 was expecting help. Maybe he looks over and he sees the safety coming down further down, which is why like having a Buda Baker know what his assignment is and having the experience is already manning that deep like uh quarter and you, you you essentially think to yourself well then that's taken care of right there but they went and took advantage and that that changed the momentum and i am a firm believer that momentum is a, is it's a big factor when it comes to games yeah and a lot of people who are analytics nerds say they don't believe in momentum but i think part of that rules out the idea of when you're a player at least who effectively is watching what's happening in real time there's a human element of it like oh no we got to do this or oh i messed up or and i think that's something that a lot of analytics people sometimes say like oh momentum isn't real and then you watch it play out and it's like yeah you can find where the game changing moment is but analytics are also something that the way they're designed they're almost after the fact like you know you're basically not able to say like hey why did he throw that ball and wow he threw that ball at like you know super high uh velocity and it fit it right in that corner well you have to measure the velocity in order to have like data and then go from the data part of where i think at least like you said is there's um there's a lot of a game that is played ultimately by belief i think at the end of the game we really saw whether it was a cardinals offense or a cardinals coaching staffer in whatever place i think that with the giants it really came down to is they said we believe that our quarterback daniel jones with how he's able to use whether his legs, arm, and weapons, we believe he's going to be able to come out and be able to win this game. They came out throwing it. Whereas on the Cardinals' side, whether it was that self-belief or whether it was just frustration, I think of those penalties where Cardinals at least were in third manageable, two false start penalties effectively in a row with Elijah Wilkinson. They just check it down on third down. It felt like that that was kind of like some of the air escaping the building because you're like, ah. Oh, Gosh, like, you know, Cardinals just had a chance. They get, like, another first down or two. They're able to run more time off the clock. They could pin the Giants back deep, potentially. The fact that they ended up ending the game, similar to last week where there's punts three times, or punts one, two, I think it was three times in a row that they punted just to end the game. It really felt like, in one case or another, the belief was not there for the Cardinals in offense. Um and I think a lot of it can kind of be chalked up to us. This is a team that probably wins this game if Kyler Murray's there. I think Josh Dobbs as a quarterback, like we saw in the first half, he's better, I think, than people may have expected. But there's also limitations. You know, there's that deep throw that was intercepted and negated by penalty that was gone to Hollywood. And then he just was not able to, unfortunately, make the plays that the Cardinals needed. And that's just where they are right now. And so I know a lot of fans are going to be like saying like, hey, you got to credit them. You got to say they did a good game plan. They made adjustments. It's probably what it sounds like we're saying at least too. And I think that the frustration is it's easier to be able to like look at some of those things and to say that when the reality might be like, Marcos, this is a team that probably overperformed somewhat in the first half. And in the second half, they kind of underperformed a bit. But when it levels out, it's like they kind of showed you, I think, where they were, which is not that great of a team. And I don't think you want to see your coach go out and say, yeah, we lost the game because our quarterback doesn't believe in himself. And the Giants basically, you know, ran some adjustments and we were not able to stop the run or go deep like we uh, or cover deep like we wanted to. Like, it's not as simple as just saying Cardinals didn't have Buda Baker. That would have made the difference in the second half. But I think at the end of the day, that is a huge part of it. And we're probably not talking about that enough, at least, of just the impact he makes on the field.
just like uh well it's it's all about nuance just like i've i mentioned so many times it's uh way more um it's not just as simple as just like hey uh if we had one player we would win this game in some instances you can say that especially if we did like if we did have somebody that can at least pick up yards with his legs and be able to like target the outside, then that, that would have probably, that would have most likely won us the game because that was the issue with us not being able to move the ball consistently was that we couldn't do those deep throws or we couldn't like get that big, that one big like conversion or that one big play and whatnot. And uh, on the opposing side, they were testing our corners and our corners were doing a great job in the first half. Now, they, they're, yeah, the second half, it was just, nope. They, they, they were testing us, and they kept winning. Yeah, I, I think the, the tanking questions, at least, that are popping up for a lot of people, like, that was the biggest thing that I think people were wondering about. Like, I saw people saying after the game, oh, it's all good. Like, you know, they played hard, and they still lost. you tanking for picks. And I think that the mentality that you can have as a fan is always different because what we're seeing with this team in this place is they're trying to be able to work on building a winning culture we've seen how even with adding kyler murray at the first overall pick it just took a long time before the cardinals were actually able to build up a roster to be able to get good and i think quarterback play is important but there's teams that will lose their starting quarterback and yet can still go on and perform like because at the end of the day you don't just simply go out there on a sunday if you're a player to say, oh, you know what, let's just fast forward to 2024. That's something that I think fans can have the luxury sometimes of doing. I think there's fans who don't have the luxury of that because they're the ones paying for the tickets. They're the ones who are going and supporting the team. They're the ones who are, you know, making plans to go out and follow and support the team on the road. And that's where I think I'm disappointed for the most is for the players themselves who effectively went out and played well enough offensively, defensively to win that game. And in the second half, they just did not play well enough to maintain that lead. And it's just a disappointment for Cards fans as far as being at home for another home loss in a game where you really saw this roller coaster of emotions of people being like, hey, Cardinals aren't going to go 0-2. Like, we saw them play hard last week. They just need to put it away in the second half. The other thing was the New York Giants team. We were talking about them being outscored 60-0. to through the first six quarters like everyone's talking about like oh are the giants like oh well, i guess the giants are tanking you know now is like what people were like making jokes about so not only did you blow the lead to a team that had been outscored 60 to zero they made adjustments and were able to effectively go out when you really did have with a three touchdown lead you should have been able to at least find a way to pick up a few first downs run the ball more put the giants into a negative situation and instead, it just felt like Marcos in the last two, three drives, it was like the Cardinals are going to go three and out here, and the Giants are going to go down and score a touchdown. And it just felt like that that was almost inevitable. That's where I think that there's just, for whatever reason, with that confidence, maybe you can talk about it being with the first-time head coaches. That's where I think the people are going to accuse the Cardinals of tanking. And, like, yeah, I don't think that you're going to end up seeing, unfortunately, that narrative change until the Cardinals can go out and be able to get that win or until you can see Kyler Murray come back. Um, they're still going to have those questions asked about them. Yeah, I felt like it. I felt like it was destiny. I'm not even going to lie. I'm like, oh my God, is this going to happen? Are they going to really drive down? Are they really going to com complete this comeback? Are they really? And I was like, there's no chance. There's no chance. Like, oh, we're on offense, but I really don't believe. I don't think they're going to pick up that first down. And there we go. We give it back to them. And I was like, okay, on defense, come on. And it, it was just a it was just a punch to the like the to the to the stomach when like 
they pushed him back on that. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a holding call or if it was a false start. So maybe it was like what, like first and like 15 from the from the at you know from the goal line and stuff. So 15 yards they had to they pick up like what like six yards. So they're a little bit closer. And on the very next play, they just they just go for the end zone and then that's it. And I'm like, yep, that's that's how it feels. It feels like and plus the noise that was being made on our offense. It was just irritating to know that like. There's so much, uh, so much of like fan bases that travel to our own stadium. They make our own stadium feel like it's a visiting stadium. They make noise on our offense, and it it was just irritating. I was like, yeah, we're, we're this game's going out, and it, it it ended up going out. So I'm like, uh. Yep. Yeah, there were three false starts that were done by the offensive line, and it's from the three guys who were, or for, I should say, the two guys who were not with the team last year or are not Paris Johnson who's starting over at right tackle as far as making those mistakes so it's fourth quarter you've got a bunch of time left at least Giants have just gone down on a long drive you're only up by seven Cardinals start off first and ten incomplete pass second and ten James Connor only gets one yard you're at third and nine it's still at least manageable it's doable you get a false start at least called on the center so then you end up having just a check down pass to Amari Mercado. You punt it back to the Giants. They go down and get a touchdown. Now, you still have the opportunity with um, just about four minutes left. You go down and get three to four first downs or so. Kick the ball through the uprights. You at least have a lead. You give the ball back to them. But they have only going to have like about a minute or less left. All you need then is basically just to get one stop. The Giants would have to be then driving down the field. And at worst... You go to overtime, right? Because you may not have enough time left in that game to be able to go down. Instead, what do you see? First and 10, right? James Conner up the middle, one yard. Second and nine. This is the play that I think is maybe the interesting one that we'll maybe see as far as how that Josh Dobbs narrative shifted. It looked like he either audibled or something shifted. They end up running James Conner up the middle on second and nine. At that point, you're like, they're trying to run time off the clock. There's four minutes left. At some point, you do have to ultimately be able to pick up a few first downs, be able to at least have the ability either to run the ball or help your quarterback. Third and six, false start, Elijah Wilkinson. Now you're in third and 11. A second false start in Elijah Wilkinson. And then they basically just gave up. Like they just basically, Zach Ertz is just like the check down drag route across the middle. Everyone else goes long. And Giants play back almost everyone in coverage. And so I think like even just a three-man rush, he just hits Zach Ertz there. That was a kind of like the point at least where it felt like at that point with the Cardinals, like you knew the white flag was waved. Like it was like they really had just kind of been in that spot of almost resigned to like we're going to lose this game and that's where i think was most disappointing was that i think that affected the defense as well of the defense affected the offense where the offense is like it doesn't matter what we do they're just going to come back with a touchdown anyway we can't stop these guys and you now look at an zero and two cardinals team that's not going to get any easier with their upcoming schedule i really did feel like uh if anything was going to happen it was going to happen on defense so I thought to myself, if anything's going to change, it'll be an interception. It'll be the fumble cause. It'll be something that'll change the momentum. But I didn't think it was going to happen on offense. And yeah, you're just like you mentioned, we knew that on that third and long, we're like, it's going to be a check down. And those are like the most like air out of the stadium type of plays. Because, you, you know, once you check it down, like especially if you're checking it down to a, a player that's not known for being very shifty. I mean, he's a tight end. We're not going to expect him to be shifty. You check it down. You're like, well, 
there they go. They're going to rally to the ball and they're going to like it, it, it. It's that play that we all know as like, we're just giving up on that. We're just giving up. He's not throwing it deep to any of this, these receivers. He's not going to, after his like three or five step drop, going to look down the field and somehow get a laser into one of his uh, wide receivers, especially when a lot of them are being double covered. They're, they're dealing with double coverage. Like it, it, it was a gut punch. And I knew right then and there when we took the, two penalties the false starts that sent us back 10 yards essentially that was it it was it was done for our offense Dobbs had a bunch of confidence in that first half whatever the Giants did defensively I think a lot of it was that they were effectively just realizing Arizona was coming out with a conservative game plan they went out looking to run the ball take time off the clock get out there and I think that there's, for all the talk that we had, I think this is one of the places where we've seen, I think, kind of the pros and cons. Like, I think that no one's going to deny that the Cardinals are having a killer mentality. Uh, I think we've seen from Dobbs and from them in the fourth quarter, they just have not been able to come through in the clutch and kind of be those fourth quarter killers. Um, that's something I think that we would hope that we'll be able to see. It's easy to forget that these guys are first-time head coaches, first-time play callers. Maybe we see that change or adjust in the future, or maybe it just that's going to be one of the places that we'll see what this Cardinals team is. Having a more conservative type of game plan with a big lead is just something that you'll see from head coaches. But it's a place of where I think you've seen enough from, the, like you said, with the foundation of the cards. It's hoping that we'll see next steps moving forward. Speaking of uh, moving forward, before we kind of talk about just the upcoming schedule and just how this relates to the rest of the season, uh, who are some of the players that stood out to you both positively and negatively for the Cardinals? Because the biggest thing I can say, at least positively, is Dennis Gardeck had another sack. He seems like he's primed. Zayvon Collins had a sack. It seems like Arizona's edge rushers ultimately are not going to be the same liability that I think people have expected for them coming into the season. Well, you, you, you took my two. <laughs> that was the ones that were, I was going <laughs> to call out was Dennis Gardeck, the, you know, the barbarian you know he had a little bit of and i felt good during the game because he had a little like segment a little bit of like love given to him by one of the one of the uh, i god the name drop like the name like it, it doesn't pop up or anything like that one of the broadcasters there you go yeah he was giving him love saying like he was undrafted and he was undrafted he's one of the captains he's just out there with his hair out and stuff celebrating loving life so he's one of those guys that he's like one of those root for him like type of people and he, like who's not rooting for him and he is a well-deserved captain i can't say enough good by for dennis gardick you know especially since he dealt with his injury in 2021 and 2022 he wasn't being used as he was being used quite a bit and um but the problem was that it just wasn't to like the like the amount that we would uh expect from him but now they this coaching staff saw what they saw during the offseason and obviously they made the right decision to give him those snaps and you know we we got our confidence in you you can you can be a uh good container when it comes to like you know beating these like tackles on the outside and then switching back inside i mean when he chased down daniel jones when he took that long trajectory around the tackle and still was able to shake him off and then stop a Jan Daniel Jones who sees nothing but clear field ahead of him. That tackle saved like what's possibly like an eight yard to like a 10 yard gain. So those little things are exactly what you 
you see in like good and to great players. So I'm really glad for him. Zayvon Collins had his first sack and Zayvon Collins has been primed to get his first sack this season because right. he's been in those situations where he's like there, but maybe because of his inexperience at edge rusher, he doesn't do what like, like last week against the Washington uh, commanders, the commies, he uh, actually was basically like two yards behind the quarterback, but didn't disengage on the tackle had he disengaged on the tackle in time he was just more mm-hmm. so concentrating on bull rushing the reason why i know he didn't disengage because he didn't look back at the quarterback he looks back at the quarterback at the moment he gets on the same level as him that's a sack for him but in, instead he keeps bull rushing the tackle and like you know he'll get the, that experience but like he's showing some he's showing some really nice stuff that i really like so at least for our edge rushing uh like especially with i still agree with all this um you know just sending four people and keeping everybody else in coverage um maybe we're diced up because of our coverage and not so much because of our fronts so yeah it's that's I, that's players out in the grades too i think if you take a look at a lot of the cardinals grades and how it played out as far as within if you had to pick a narrative for the game if you had to pick a narrative for this it would be that you know this first half cardinals team was basically upended in the second half where their weakest links kind of stood out again, just like last week. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson, at least, rated as the lowest of their players, at least for his offensive grade. It's interesting because Josh Dobbs' run grade was like almost Kyler Murray-esque. I know there were people who even were like talking about how Dobbs did a really good job as an athlete and in scrambling, which gave you probably some optimism as far as, hey, this is a veteran quarterback who can get out of trouble. That's one of the things that I think is different from if you had kept a Colt McCoy. Like, and I think Colt McCoy's arm was just gone but even if you had in this game you're not going to be able to have that same type of rushing performance from colt mccoy that you got out of josh dobbs which i think was a boost to arizona's offense um the other thing that was interesting as far as down trey mcbride probably had in my opinion at least one of his best games that we've ever seen from a pass blocking from being able to make some of these like critical catches in the first half i think on the defensive side you take a look at that and the cardinals corners at least didn't do as well and i think like you said some of that was schematic where they were trying to keep a lot of stuff in front, and we've talked about at least how an air raid system, sometimes when you see teams will be like, hey, like, we're moving these smaller routes, we can sit on those or close, we can play a lot of these quarters coverage like Brett Coleman had talked about. When you turn those quarters coverage and you take the safeties uh, that the Cardinals have and are able to get them to bite on the play action, get them to bite on the run, that's where you all of a sudden can leave your corners on a bit of an island. And we saw that with the second half. Giants open up, boom, big touchdown to Jalen Hyatt. That seemed like it broke the game open. And uh, effectively, we were able to see a lot of the Giants' passing attack wasn't able to be stopped in some regards because they had guys that were maybe not running it wide open deep, but it really did feel like they figured out an adjustment they could make on the Cardinals, and the Cardinals just didn't have anyone who were able to make a play. And it's unfortunate, but... Do you feel like this is something that heading into the next few weeks, do you feel encouraged by what we've seen from the Cardinals? Or is this more of like a, you had a chance at 2-0, you're 0-2, and look who's coming to town? Because I think you can make an argument for both. I feel like it's going to be like a play-up, play-down situation. So um, I, I for the first two weeks, I'm sure people are surprised by it. I know that the Cowboys are a different, like, scenario altogether they're a different type of team um but so far i all i see is like 
with everything that's going on, I feel better about the Cardinals than I did before the season started. And even I was still thinking like they're not going to be as bad as people in the national media think. They're not tank worthy of like, hey, we're going to lose by 20 points every single game and it's going to be an absolute disaster. Jonathan Gannon is way over his head. He's just taking this job so he can put his foot in the door situation, you know, and all these young guys like Nick Rawls, what is he doing even calling games? He's like 30 years old and like Drew Petzing's first job as an offensive coordinator. Like this, this team doesn't even know what the hell, what the heck they're doing basically. But like, you know, like, like the results show, like we lost the game by three points against an opponent that we probably shouldn't have even been close to beating. And then the week before we actually had a lead on a team, especially because our defense was just like, like just overperforming what people thought. Like I, I, I heard so many times people saying like this defense is it's it, it's a bunch of like practice squad players like yeah, ooh, there are no them. household names there besides Buda Baker and the Cardinals took it to the Giants and they took it to the Commanders really well and the, the Commanders put up like I think what thirty five points on a Broncos defense which has a lot more national names for the most part that's on it. There's obviously differences as far as in play goes. I think those two turnovers were the big difference for Arizona last week, but it's the same type of fourth quarter in the clutch. They're just kind of in a spot where you're going to have to kind of live and die, at least with Josh Dobbs. And I think if the narrative coming out of some of this is if we still keep seeing Josh Dobbs being able to have a good first half lead, being able to be effective, but then we see these kind of collapse at the end of games, it's going to be a lot of questions, I think, for Cards fans. Uh, Let's do a quick preview, at least before we shift into we'll have a film sesh, at least here after the recorded portion to kind of take a look at. So you can check that out on our YouTube channel uh, if you're listening to this audio podcast. But what do you feel like we should expect from this team going forward? Because the upcoming schedule that they have, like next week they play the Cowboys. This is a team where if the Cardinals are, <laughs> this is the Cardinals at least are going up fine against a Sam Howell, against like a Daniel Jones and a Giants team that's underperformed. You're probably getting like, if not the favorites in the NFC, you're at least going to be getting one of the top teams in all of the National Football League coming to State Farm Stadium. Rut row, like that's something where I think is this a place where we're kind of coming? Do the Cardinals have a chance to win this game, or is it just Cardinals are able to like have a 21 35 type of loss? They're giving all their effort. Is that good enough that we're going to have to talk about? Because at this point, like I don't think anyone's expecting a win. Should we like be expecting them to at least be able to compete, or do you think this is going to be like a non competitive blowout type of game? I think it's going to be uh, more of like a first half is going to be closer than people would expect. In the second half, it'll probably just start getting away mm-hmm. and not 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 in a schematic type of way. Um, it's just because we saw it from this game. And I was looking at the, these stats while um, while like we were talking about the Giants. The time of possession was just night and day from first half to second yeah. half. So if you really want to talk about like a defense being out there way too long than it should be, that was the story, and I think this is going to be the story for the Cowboys as well. If they're fresh, um, and because we know like a little tidbit of like uh, schematic numbers when it comes to the Cardinals, if they're sticking to quarters on, in first down, most of the reason why is because they don't want to do too much on their outside corners when it comes to man coverage. I'm not saying they're not capable of doing it. I'm saying like maybe because they don't really have full-on confidence and they don't want them out there you know, one-on-one getting burnt. And, you know, that's what happened in the second half of this game. So when you're going up against the Cowboys now, you're talking about a different, uh, like, slew of receivers. And, you know, we're talking about a different type of passing attack. So that's 
probably the same trajectory we're going to go and it's just going to come down to like just the front the fronts again um on making the difference and i think they when they're fresh they do pretty well uh, they catch teams they don't expect them when it comes to the offense possibly i'm just hoping that we do something similar to like what we did uh in this game i i don't know if we're going to get to the point where we're going to you know actually score 20 points in the first half but i think we can do enough yeah we can do enough to you know take take Basically, your hope is to be in it. Your hope is to at least be in it, or that you can see a Cardinals team that maybe gets down twenty-one to three in the first half, but adjusts and makes that comeback in the second and has a chance at the end of the fourth quarter. That's probably, and it's unfortunate to say, that's kind of like the best that you can hope for from this team because right now, as far as like they don't have household names as far as talent goes, we have no idea any news on Buda Baker when he'll be back. You're kind of married to, unfortunately, this offensive line as is, and injuries would only make it worse as far as that goes um the next couple of games at least and i know we'll probably talk more about like if if you're a person who's a cardinals fan and you're on team tank like you're probably happy with how things have turned out like you saw the effort you've got that hard schedule coming up um we'll talk a little bit more maybe about just like projecting where the cardinals are the midst of the nfl uh later in the week with their second show but like You've got the Cowboys, Cardinals. The Bengals are intriguing because Joe Burrow has not looked the same. He, they've played as a team that you wouldn't expect to be 0-2, and yet they are, and he's just been checking it down a lot, not been healthy. Jamar Chase has had a couple more uh, drops, at least, where teams are just defending him a little bit better than they did last year. And they lost players like Jesse Bates on defense. The Rams have been better. So I think the biggest thing is you look at this upcoming schedule, and the question is, where is that first win for the Cardinals going to come from? And I think that, honestly, their best shot that we can say was probably this game against the Giants. They didn't get that one. So where do you think is, like, the next place for opportunity where the Cardinals going to have to, like, put up a lot of effort and steal one from one of these teams? Otherwise, we're going to be talking about, you know, November, Kyler Murray coming back, what that's going to look like. And that's just a long ways off in what's already been a long season for Cardinals fans starting out 0-2. I actually got to look at the schedule again just to – be able to pull that up. Maybe I would say, oh, man, maybe the Browns. Maybe we 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 can get a win on the Elves, um, the Falcons. Browns are, are, are the Browns so, two and zero? I think at least I think that they are. They they are, they are. Yeesh. They uh, or they might be. I I have no idea. I haven't been following them. Oh no, they're one and zero. That's right. They a... still they still play the Steelers today at least. So they're undefeated technically, but oh, we'll okay. see how they do up against a Steelers defense. It's probably going to give them a lot more than the Bengals week one, who just had an injured Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, that's also a road game. You've got Miles Garrett on the other side as far as it goes defensively. It's just. It's rough, I think, for Cardinals fans because I think that if you could have said that we would have gotten one or even started off 2-0 and and then lost games, I think fans would probably be a bit more accepting. Like, you get that home win, you're able to be competitive at least overall, maybe even getting that road win for the opener of the season, people are able to see it. Just looking at the way the schedule is set up, like the way that the Falcons have been running the ball, maybe you end up seeing to take advantage of a rookie quarterback. I think you're almost at this point like... Looking at a team like the Seahawks, at least, have not been able to do as well. And Tyler Lockett at least came back and was able to really help deliver in a big way. Like, you're talking about, did the Bengals have Joe Burrow playing? Like, I don't want us to be rooting for injuries, but if we're talking about this being an unwin, uh, uh, what's it called? Not an undefeated, but just say a completely defeated Cardinals team by the time that they play the Texans on November 19th, like, that might be one of those games where you're talking about playing for, like, a top 
overall pick or a top two pick up against a team that also so far through two games has looked like they may be worthy of that top pick. And that's just something where I feel bad, at least ultimately for the players, because as long as the season drags on, like we're going to be hoping like, all right, when's Kyler coming back? And if that's all that we really have to look forward to for these next like two months, it's just going to be like, you know, pain and misery, dilly dilly. <laughs> that is one of those places where I think we're at least, I think, taking away from all this. We've seen enough from this Cardinals team to say this isn't going to be something that you can say is a one and done coaching staff. This is a totally different feel from what I think you saw last season, where it felt like that a clean house was inevitable. Um, this is a different feel from when Steve Wilkes was there and Steve Kime was the GM who coming off of the suspension and everything there. I think that I've seen enough so far that Marcos, if you're going to look for a comparison for the Cardinals to kind of put faith or put stock in if you're a Cardinals fan, I think you look at the Detroit Lions right now. The Detroit Lions are a team that look to be probably right now one of the playoff teams in the NFC. They do lose in overtime to the Seahawks, but they were another playoff team. And this is a team that was at one point the worst team in the NFL. They ended up playing competitive in their first year. They got the number three overall pick and have been kind of able to turn it around with a good coaching staff. I think that it feels like we've seen so far, this is a capable staff that has a good scheme overall and knows what they're doing. And I think adding more and more talent to that, to a team that's already playing hard, I think that's the one positive takeaway that Cardinals fans, if you're out there and you're just feeling like the sky is falling, you're not looking forward to the next two months, banking at least on that and putting some of the hope there, I think that's probably the thing to look at for right now is just to hold on for a little longer. And I think that we'll start seeing this team trend positively for maybe not in the near future, but at least in the future. I mean, it's it's, not, it's hard to believe because I was looking at the schedule, but like there's like quite a bit of winnable games that I 100% believed in, especially before like the season started. Now I definitely believe in it. Um, the Steelers are definitely not that team that we thought they were going to be. So we got the they Steelers. They looked bad last the year. They didn't play the Niners, yeah. but like if they lose to the Browns and it's not looking like good, then that may – that December schedule is there. You've got the Cardinals-Texans. The Bears game uh, – Merry Christmas, everyone. you got the Cardinals versus the Bears. And then the Seahawks, we'll see how they play. If they're in like playoff contention by that point, you think you can get one of those late season, everyone sitting, steal a win type of games, like that's possible – Falcons have not looked like they've been weird. They're two and zero, and yet it doesn't feel like that they're like a two and zero team. Um, it's just for one reason or another. Like they've had a good run game. They haven't gotten all of their weapons involved. They've just kind of been able to run the ball and play good defense overall. And we'll see exactly how they'll be doing at least by that point. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think the, the biggest Eagles matchup is going to be interesting. Yeah, the Eagles yeah, matchup Eagles is going to be interesting. It's going to be cold. The biggest thing I think that I take away from a lot of this too is. I think that going into this season, you'd have said, can't wait for the Rams game. They just don't have a whole lot of talent for the most part like that. They're rebuilding. Cooper Cup is hurt. You look at the Bengals game, you say, oh, that's the one to be careful of. Like, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you got that defense that's coming back into town. It's almost flipped now where I think that I feel like I'm looking at this team like, man, like, I don't know if I want to play the Rams. They were doing such a good job playing against the Niners, and then the Niners were able to just run away with it in the second half. But the Rams were really just kind of dicing them up in that first half, and it took them kind of taking advantage of an un or an inexperienced, I should say, Rams defense to kind of get that win. And yeah, so that's uh, it's a rough spot if you're a Cardinals fan. I would not be shocked if this team is zero and six before they play the Seahawks. I wouldn't be shocked if they end up zero and eight before they play the Browns. If we're talking about a team that essentially is zero and ten heading into that Texans game. 
I think that's realistic, and that's something that's like, you know, there's going to be a lot of us talking through it. There's going to be losses week in, week out. Looking for where the team is building, I think, is the best thing you can do for the future. And I think we've seen, at least, even if it doesn't feel like it, there are building blocks with this coaching staff and this team for Cardinals fans to look at. I wonder what game is going to be the Kyler comeback game, mm. the 49ers or the Bears. Yeah, that's, that's about that's really going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people have said, I've heard November has been kind of what I've heard for some of the times as far as like maybe that's going to be active practicing for how he knows what the scheme, what that's going to look like, how soon he's going to come back. The only thing that I think we know for sure, at least right now, is he's going to be out against Cowboys. He's going to be out against the Niners. He's probably going to be out a bit longer just because he was put onto the pup list. Otherwise, you'd think that he'd be back there practicing, working on stuff with the team. Or you'd start hearing more whispers about him coming back right for that Bengals game. If it ends up being a season-long type of area where just Kyler just ends up not being healthy, you're 0-10, you lose to a Texans team, like, at that point you wonder, like, where the team's going to be as far as if players are going to get shut down, just the owner suddenly, like, you know, actually start, like, trying to tell guys, hey, like, our season is basically over, like, let's make sure that we're not, like, you know, tearing more ACLs for our guys next year, and... That's It's a tough place to be in, but I think this is ultimately part of a rebuild and a reset, and I think that the Cardinals' direction they're going in, after you see on a game like that, even though the final score at least, and the way that they collapsed is a negative, I think you've at least been able to see some places where there's at least a ton of confidence that I think Cardinals fans are going to be excited where this team is. Maybe not as much in 2023, but at least seeing what they're building on now heading into 2024. Uh, that'll be it here for the audio portion with the Redbird Reboot Podcast. Thank you guys here for joining us so much.